Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Lorcana Cast, the happiest podcast on earth. We are the premier Disney trading card game podcast. We are here with Jason, Chris, Skeff. Yo. How's everybody doing tonight? Awesome. I'm phenomenal. All right. That's good to hear. And we actually have a special guest. So we have been talking about this uh, website that we've been partnered with ever since day one. That is LorcanaHQ.com. And we have John, who is joining us. How are you doing today, man? Hello out there in TV land. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. (laughs) So, yeah, we are here to sit back and talk about Lorcana. But before we do, uh, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and LorcanaHQ.com so everyone can get to know you better. Yeah, my name is Jonathan Medina. I I come from uh, Magic the Gathering background. And when I heard about Lorcana, I got pretty excited. Uh, I have dabbled in other card games and... Uh, I'd make a business of buying and selling Magic the Gathering cards. And so, like, naturally, I looked at other card games like Flesh and Blood and this kind of stuff. And one of the things that I realized about Flesh and Blood is that they don't have a casual uh, realization of the game. And I feel that, like, that makes it, like, not so marketable. It's, it's, it, it really just goes, kind of hones in on one demographic, right? And, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, wow, like this game is not as marketable as magic because it doesn't have this casual aspect. So then like Lorcana gets like announced and I'm like, Oh wow. Like this has a lot of potential. Cause I think that they will probably market it to like more of a wide audience. Right. And, uh, lots of different people would draw, would draw interest in that. So, uh, once I heard about it, I said, you know, I definitely want to be involved with this game. So, I I jumped on the Lorcana HQ stuff right away and started to uh, try to, you know, bring people together who are interested in the game. That's awesome. So we got connected early on and talked a little bit about, you know, hosting the podcast on the site and doing all kinds of, you know, cross promotional content together. But um, talking a little bit more about you and your background, you know, you're running a shop, you've been playing magic. What was it about Lorcana that grabbed your attention? Because, there's so many different aspects to the game that's pulling people in who are both trading card game players and non-trading card game players. So it was a pretty good mix of things that pulled me in. So yeah, I am just now opening a shop. So um, actually part of the reason for opening a shop is so that I can establish uh, relationships with distributors so that I can be ready for Lorcana. Uh, before the shop, I was kind of just... Um, hanging out and doing uh doing a pack opening stream for magic and um building it like a magic community you know behind the stream and behind the website i have another website called alchemistrefuge.shop and that is like the magic centric uh website and stuff so when when lorcana was announced i was like drawn to a couple aspects number one it's disney and Disney is is known for having like a family friendly brand, you know, and I I'm like a wholesome kind of guy in general, you know. That's the you know I'm a I'm a Christian. I'm like uh, you know I go to church, this kind of stuff. And it's funny because like when I'm hanging out in the in the magic crowd, you know, sometimes you know I'm uh, I'm kind of like the uh, 
the Flanders of the group or whatever, if you will, you know, just kind of the, the kind of the odd man out in a sense. So I was, uh, I was excited because I like, Oh, you know, this will bring, uh, this, this will kind of, uh, it kind of fits the brand like brand or like my personality, their brand fits my personality. Let me put it that way, you know, of the kind of family friendly thing. And um, I'm kind of, I'm ready for something new, man. Uh, Magic is, is very intense with the product cycle right now. There's like, there are sets dropping. I mean, it's a meme at this point of when sets are dropping and there's so many sets dropping and it's like, you know, I want, I want a a refreshing break. You know, I played uh, flesh and blood for a little bit and I felt like, Oh, this is nice. It was a game that was completely different than magic. And I think, Lorcana can be like that, you know, a, a different kind of game, a refreshing break from magic, and it'll match up with, you know, who I am. Their brand will match up with who I am uh, pretty well. So I'm excited to see, you know, I've been excited. I've been waiting to see when the cards came out. I was just further encouraged because I think like, man, the cards look good. It looks like there's a lot of thought that went into the game itself. Um, they're, you know, the art is great. Uh, so you know, all positive signs coming from the Lorcana camp. Awesome. Okay. Very cool. Now we're going to ask some fun questions. Uh, tell us about your favorite Disney character and your favorite Disney movie. And we're quantifying this because I'm getting railroaded by my team that these are classic Disney movies. You cannot use movies like Nightmare Before Christmas. That doesn't count. <laughs> so, you know, think about, you know, like the Renaissance movies, classic movies, classic characters, you know, no Disney, Pixar, no Disney, Star Wars, uh, Marvel, stuff like that. Okay. So I will, uh, you know what? I will, I'll split it with you. Okay. I'll split it with you and I'll do a classic Disney character, but I'm going to go with a, with a, I think it's Pixar movie. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. So, so the, the character, I think i probably resonate most with Aladdin from, uh, you know, from the movie Aladdin, just because like, he's like, a you know, he's a poor like beggar. Right. And he has no resources. And I grew up like that. I grew up poor and, um, you know, he was very resourceful in the movie. So when I was growing up and I was watching the movie, I, I really identified with him, you know, and, um, you know, just looking at, you know, um, he sees a world that he, he thinks that he'll never be part of, you know? And I remember, you know, it's so funny. Um, I remember watching on TV, there was this, uh, commercial and they would show the Epcot ball, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, I grew up poor in this little desert town in California. And I thought I will never go and see that Epcot ball. And this is in Florida, you know, (laughs) I mean, saying it now, it sounds silly, but I just thought, man, that's just like a, that's a universe away, you know? And I remember I, 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 I made it, you know, I got there, I was out, I was in, uh, I was in Florida for a work trip. And I was at a conference and uh, part of the conference is I think they rented out a Disney world, you know, and uh, they let us kind of all go, you know, as part of the conference or whatever. And I remember I was standing there looking at the Epcot ball and uh, my wife was with me and she's like, you know, you're moving at these parks. You're like moving. And it's weird to be standing and just looking at something. And she's like, what, you know, what's going on? And I told her that story. I'm like, I remember seeing on the commercials, you know, this Epcot ball and, here I am right in front of it, you know? So it's the same kind of thing with Aladdin. You know, I feel like, you know, he seen a world that he felt like he could never like be part of. And then through the story, right. He gets kind of woven in, you know, to the world, no spoilers. I don't want to ruin the movie for anybody, 
but uh <laughs> but yeah so that's my favorite character i think in disney movies and then uh my favorite disney movie is inside out uh i think i think that's made by pixar okay, okay. nice call yeah yeah inside out was masterfully done uh, as far as like the just the 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 whole subject matter of emotions and how they kind of went through. I don't know. I love it. I could talk all night about it. And I won't. I'm long-winded. I apologize for that. You're, you'll you'll notice that. So I, <laughs> I, I purposely stop myself. Uh, so sometimes it feels abrupt, but like I'm just like, no, I got to give other people a chance to talk. Okay. All right. Well, that's fun. So now that we've gotten to know you, welcome to the show. We're going to have a lot of fun talking tonight about organized play. And that is the primary topic of this week's episode. And for those of you who don't know, the concept behind organized play is you go to your friendly local game store you sign up it can be sometimes a tournament where for like friday night magic a lot of people have probably heard of that term you show up to your friendly local game store on friday night shocking and you play a magic gathering tournament you pay a small premium generally five six seven dollars you may or may not get a booster pack you might get a promotional card it it just depends but we know for a fact that lorcana will indeed have organized play We don't know what it looks like. So we're going to kind of talk about organized play in the current ecosystem of trading card games. So we've got Magic the Gathering, Flesh and Blood, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Dragon Ball Super, Digimon, Pokemon, so on and so forth. A lot of games have organized play. So we're going to talk a little bit about what exists now and then what we hope to see in Lorcana because the the developers from Ravensburger have definitely been around the block. So they don't need to reinvent the wheel. They don't need to come up with some kind of new, inventive kind of organized play kit. They just need to find something that resonates with the game itself and the player base and bring those two together. So um, who wants to talk first a little bit about their favorite organized play from the games that they've played or the games that they're playing right now? Uh, I'll go with mine. I haven't since I am the one who is probably the least uh, competitive player as of lately because I've taken a little break from competitive play. But when I did competitively play I'm going to go with Destiny because I'm pretty good at it but there was a Star Wars Destiny game that was like a hybrid like TCG dice game that I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, because of the competitive nature of the Star Wars skin the dice rolling the luck mechanics of it but I had a lot of fun with that one with that Star Wars Destiny and then probably Pokemon would be a good second so tell us a little bit about the the OP kits from uh, Pokemon and Destiny absolutely so the the Destiny ones I always thought were really really good I feel they kind of waned. Like when you're the OP kits, in essence, is what is a organized play kit. So it, it, what it is is that a shop will get these kits from the distributor, and these are for nights to host the game night, and they're like rewarded to people that show up and play the game. So it's, it's an incentive to show up on a certain night and play games with your friends. And so I feel that having good quality OP kits will help the i would say the health of the game i feel the stronger the op kit the more that people are incentivized to play and we're all creatures who love instant gratification so i feel the more that you're incentivized to play the better the game will do now for those listening give us some examples of the uh, price support that you received when you were playing you know pokemon or star wars destiny because like for destiny you could get like acrylic tokens or alternate yes. art cards. But yes, with Pokemon, yes. you can get like different foiled cards or different arts, or uh, sometimes you can even win booster packs. Like, you know, kind of take us down that trail of 
you know, when you show up to the store and you participate, what do you get? Um, normally there is a single card or item that everybody gets for showing up, right? And then if they run a tournament, the tournament is based on whatever, you know, eight, like three, four round tournament. And then like there's prizes for like the winner, right? The winner gets maybe this special hollow card and then like second, third place get this. And there's like a breakdown of tiers. But the cool part with Star Wars Destiny and with Pokemon is that you don't, you weren't, um, you didn't get any extra favors playing the card game. Like you didn't get any special cards you could only get by winning the game. That'll help you win the game more. It's just alternate versions that, or like little ways to incent to enhance your gameplay experience with like, oh, shinies or like plastic versus cardboard. And so like with Pokemon had that with, you know, alternate art cards. And then the Destiny had that as well with the acrylic tokens, with the play maps. Just ways to enhance the visuals of the game is what I really enjoyed. So for those of you guys playing other games, I know we've got Dragon Ball Super, Magic the Gathering, Flesh and Blood. You know, we've we've kind of established that organized play comes with alternate cards with, you know, it's the same card, the same text, the same ability, but a different piece of artwork or depending on like Star Wars Destiny, if there was like a, a regional championship or a store championship, you could walk away with a play mat that says, hey, your first place or second place. Uh, what other kind of things do you get from the games you guys are playing? Um, you know, talking to Jason, Chris, and John. I'll talk about Flesh and Blood, and, and I'll just go into you know their overall organized play, which is something that I I really love about the game. So again, I've said before in previous podcasts that Flesh and Blood, the name actually stands for the creator James White wanting people to play in the Flesh and Blood. Right, the last couple of years, especially in the TCG world, a lot of games have gone more digital, and his focus really has been about getting players back to local game stores, LGSs, um, and playing in person. Organized play is based around that concept where they have a, what they call an armory system. And every every store that carries Flesh and Blood, and it's 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 through their distributor, um, they can sign up for armory kit. And that armory kit consists of prizes for a whole month. And each store can run one armory event a week. So in Minnesota right now, um, we have a lot of local stores running Flesh and Blood. We have, a, I would venture, you know, one of the most active areas in in the country and we have events armory events every day of the week and what that consists of is on a single week the kit consists of a, a, a cold foil version of a card so that that usually goes to the winner right and again i've talked about like how there's different treatments of cards foil cards flesh and blood their special ones are called cold foils which is just, just a different way to make a card shiny right per armory event the person that does the best at that event gets the cold foil everyone that shows up gets another promo which is normally a foil version of another card so that's per week. The kit also consists of two playmats, and those playmats are to not be given to to uh, based on uh, performance. So they're they're supposed to be given out as um, to people that support the game, that grow the game, that teach new players, that type of thing. It's it's, it's a little it's not it's not clearly defined, but it's supposed to be there as community support playmats, um, and the other one can be given away um, however the store wants to give it away. I think it's great. It definitely encourages people to um, come out and play every week. On top of all that, and again, I'm hopefully I'm not bogarting people's time here. There's an armory. There's a there's an experience system with Flesh and Blood. So they actually to actually play in armory events, you have to sign up, get a player number, and all your games are tracked. Um, and they've used that data for for different things. Actually, getting invites to um, to different tournaments like ProQuest and and Worlds. Um, you know, something like the top fifty players in the world from experience they got advice to worlds which is coming up um, next week i'm flying out to san jose to, to, to judge in worlds actually so um that's a cool thing you, you can do with their experience system 
Um, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. I don't want to get into all that, but yeah, it's, it's also experience system on top of the, that's built into the armory system. So it, it's, I love how flesh and blood does it definitely supports local game stores. They can run, um, the, the stores run the events, you know, sometimes they just run a pure kit event, which is like five bucks. If you want to come in and play just for the kit prizes, um, which they get for free from the, from the distributors. Um, some stores add in packs to that. They may charge $10. They may do pack per win. Um, which is a common thing, as you guys know, for for um, card games. So it's it's a really great system, and um, it's, it's uh, I really enjoy Flesh and Blood. I enjoy going out every week and playing on Tuesday, Wednesdays at my local game stores. I like the uh, I really like the playmat thing they do because playmats in Flesh and Blood are a pretty big deal. Um, they they fetch a nice premium, and the the fact that they have the, the playmats they call them people champions playmat. Right. You know, it's the it's for the 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 playmat that uh the way they describe it is somebody who made the atmosphere like fun and uh enjoyable you know it's not even it's not even for anybody who won or anything it's just somebody who like added to the environment so right. it just kind of incentivizes people to be chill and to not get super salty and to <laughs> you know to kind of like uplift the environment so that you might be able to get one of these great playmats. You know, the exactly. playmats are awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's not only art. A lot of times for like the flesh and blood playmats, why one of the reasons they fetch premium is because they have the zones on them. And uh, it, it just helps you to keep your battlefield or your game, you know, in in order. Right. And so having those zones in the playmat make the playmat like more special in a way. Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about Dragon Ball Super and Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, starting with the DBS. Um, so like these guys are talking about, you know, it all starts on that local level. You know, you're going to show up, like Sugi said, pay your uh, five or six dollars at most locals. And um, so what you get um, with us is you'll get what's called a, a, a tournament pack. Um, and it has a random uh, promo inside. Um, Bandai likes to go crazy with their promos. They're typically probably about 12 different cards you can get um i know of course depending on the ability you know you know effect of the the card they can fetch a good price um and then what's cool that they started implementing within the past year year and a half is we have um, what's called uh winter stamps um and so it's it's a foil version of um there's four um those they pick four promos um it's a foil uh shiny piece of cardboard that has winners stamped on it they're typically they look fantastic uh from there you know go up to the the regional level um actually played in one today um that's where you know you kind of or start trying to get your invites towards our national tournament um ours here in the for the us is coming up uh early part of december so i am already prepping for that um but from there you know you get um, either packs or um, like today, um, it, you get like uh, basically about every quarter. Um, there's a set of about five promos that they they create, and then you'll get you'll get um, a set of well, it's, it's it's random, but I I typically get like one of each essentially for entering, and then from there, you know, if you t- get top sixteen or above. Uh, you'll get a playmat, uh, your invite to nationals, and then depending on how you place, you get additional, um, like say like the event packs, and then you can get um, if you do better. Then there's uh, like these guys are already talking about. There's different alt arts um, for 
some of like the like better cards in the game that um, you can get. And those cards get an insane value because it's like a special, you know, printing of the card. Um, you can get booster boxes. You can get all, uh, all kinds of uh, crazy stuff for, for that. And then at nationals is when you pretty much make bank just for showing up. And if you win, you get all kinds of stuff. And um, now that we're, post COVID um, last year, we had our very first world tournament. And of course we're, um, you know, hoping I'm, they're talking about doing this one in person. Cause you know, last year um, they were still, you know, we did, we had our world tournament over, over webcam, but you know, being nice talking about doing this one in person, which would be awesome. Um, and then, yeah, you know, in terms of Yu-Gi-Oh, it's a pretty much a similar structure, except for they have an event, over the regional level, it's just called YCS, which is just Yu-Gi-Oh! Championship Series. Uh, those things get a lot of uh, uh, duelists that show up, but you you can make bank at, at a YCS too. I do want to comment about um, Bandai and, and uh, Dragon Ball Super, and, and maybe Jason can tell me if it's different now. Yeah, I, sure. I, pl- I played a little bit of Dragon Ball Super when it first came out, and something that frustrated me about their organized play system was that the uh, the cards were given out. Some of the cards that were given out um, at these for winning events were were unique. Like they, they weren't part. They were they weren't found in the the set. You couldn't pull them right. So to make some of the the decks, you needed to actually get these cards from your w- winning a weekly or something like that. Um, which at that time there weren't many events going on. So it was really hard to get some of these tournament packs. I think they were called right. So yeah, yeah um, tournament packs. So that I, again, I, I hope that just talking about Lorcana. I really, you know, um, I really hope they don't go that route where you have to, and I don't think, and based on what they've said so far, I, I'm not worried about that at all. It doesn't sound like they're going to go that route where you have to get unique cards or playing at a, an event. I think it's great to support playing in person, that type of thing. Um, but again, doing it that way really, really makes that, that um, interaction of playing was supposed to be a fun game into something more, right? Something more stressful and something that um, I really don't enjoy when that happens. Yeah. So to, you know, go off what you're saying, um, you know, not to kind of talk negatively about Bandai, but that is, it's actually a huge issue um, with them um, because we, we, we had a real bad, um, I would say when actually during the pandemic year so during like 2020 i'll say 2019 through like mid 2021 um there were a couple of uh archetypes that came out and some of the sets that came out during the pandemic and they printed promos that were essential to how that deck functioned and the because of one the world was shut down but somehow some of these store owners had said promos like these promos and we're gonna get into like Yu-Gi-Oh numbers here we're going for a hundred plus for a single copy of cardboard and you need four so that's 400 plus dollars to play a game that you you know to play a deck in a game that you can't really play during a pandemic, you know, outside of like webcam when we had like when during a webcam regional, like during that time period. So yeah, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, They've since then kind of like listened to their player base. They took a lot of heat for it because like, you know, why, why outside of like trying to get, you know, entry and money for your TOs and, you know, off that second market to play this game, like, 
if it's a key card, you know, that's essential for a strategy to function, why are you making it a TP? You know, it's like, it was like our, as the player base, that was our biggest argument, you know, outside of like money, you know, it's, but Bandai, that, that is probably, and I don't, I, I want to get into like the whole like actual structure of like organized play with them because this year has been horrible in terms of like how they've handled organized play. Like since I'm already talking about it, I'll go there. We didn't start our organized play season until April and we should have started. And they told us we were going to start in February, like, or the beginning of March. So like the amount of it, cause you have to, you can't just show up to our, our national tournament. Like you have to earn a spot. And when a quarter of our season's already gone, then that creates, you know, a limited number of seats at the table to be able to play for the, our, the biggest event of the year. And so like, as a player, like one loves the Dragon Ball IP and two loves this game. Like it's been very frustrating. And so like everything that I've seen from Lorcana, I don't think in terms of like, how organized play is going to be structured and the promo situation, which was the initial you know, point of your question. I don't think they're going to handle it like, like Bandai does. And John, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Magic OP looks like? Well, back in the day, let's go, let's go take a little trip. They used to do this really cool thing that was beloved. And what they would do is it was called the Magic Player Reward System. And what you would do is you would play, you would play at uh, stores and the stores would have F&M promos is what they called them at the time. And it would be like a different printing of a card or, or just a, a reprinting of a card with the, it would be a special foil and it would say F&M on it. And typically like the top eight players in the F&M or top four players would get a copy of that card. So you'd play in the F&M you'd try to get, you know, the FNM promo. And then the cool thing, this magic player rewards thing is it would, they would record on their system every time you played a, um, at a tournament. And if you played a lot of those tournaments, I think it was, I don't want to, I don't know if it was monthly or if it was every three months, it was either monthly or every three months, you would get something in the mail from wizards and the more you played, the more rewards you would get in the mail. So they would send you, like, I remember the first one I got, you would get these textless cards. So they would be cards that were, they were cards that existed in the game. They weren't uh, exclusive like you guys were talking about. But they would be like a special textless version. And you could only get them from the player reward uh, program. And if you played like the max, you would get like two foil textless Wrath of Gods. I remember the Wrath of Gods. Everybody wanted them and you wanted to place it. But I think the most you can get was two for playing. Like if you played in like every event for, you know, everyone you could or whatever. And uh, that was so effective in getting people to go to local game stores. I remember because we were like, oh, you know, if I miss an FNM or, or, you know, or I'm only this many FNMs away from getting all my wraths, you know, like I need to, I need to show up because I don't want to miss them. Even if you lost, you know, you were still like, well, it was, it's about participation. It's not about like if you won or, you know, it's just about going, playing in the event, you know? So that's what they used to do. Uh, they, they eventually terminated that program. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it just cost too much money for them or whatever. So they, they, they replace that with now what they do is they have these promo packs and it's like a little pack of cards and uh, it, it has, I think they all have like one rare and then a couple of like showcase cards or whatever. 
And then, so there's the regular promo pack, which are usually handed out for like, you know, kind of door prize participation, maybe like, you know, top, you know, eight, not including the winners, right? The two winners typically get a premium promo pack. And what that is, is it has foils, you know, foils of, um, of stuff in it instead of just regular cards, you know, they're foil cards. So they have those uh, and they send those to stores. They'll send you a, like a, a box of those promo packs. So needless to say, you know, I, I think like I like the old way more than these promo packs because you can open the promo pack and just get a bulk rare. You know, <laughs> it's it's just like it's really a, you know, there was a time like they did a, around War of the Spark. The promo packs possibly had a Japanese planeswalker in them which was pretty exciting for people. Um, but I think overall, like the, the F and M level, I think right now we're all talking about like the store level organized play. Um, but there's other tiers to organized play. And, you know, some of you alluded to like the nationals or the, the bigger tournaments, you know, like the biggest tournament, like the one you're talking about with Bandai, you know, but, you know, we focus a lot on the store organized play, but um, typically organized play has tiers, right? You have like the store is kind of the lower tiers, like where you're getting your practice in and trying to see where you fare in your local community. And then like from there you'll go, you know, and maybe play in something bigger. That's like more of a regional event. you know, how good are you in the region? And then maybe a national event, how good are you in the, you know, in the nation and then the world's event, you know, kind of like typically that's how that stuff does. But there's, there's also like other tournaments that, you know, they can run or whatever. Yeah, it's a it's a very wide range of different promotional support, different reasons or means to get players into a friendly local game store. And so now that we've talked about what is happening in the current established market, let's talk about some things that we want to see or maybe don't want to see with Lorcana. So something I actually really don't like from Yu-Gi-Oh is the OTS pack. And the reason why oh, yeah. is uh-huh. when you when you show up to in a tournament, you generally are guaranteed to get one OTS pack. And then when you play out the tournament, the winner gets more OTS packs. And then like second player, like for example, just say, you know, winner gets 10, second place gets five, third place gets four, fourth place gets two and everybody else gets one. Okay. You won the tournament, you get a bunch of packs. That feels good. However, there are times where certain OTS packs have these really valuable and expensive cards and you'll see someone who lost every single game, doesn't know how to play the game. They just showed up for fun and they'll pull this $40 card and the person that won everything that definitely earned the, the W open 10 packs and they just get a bunch of bulk rares and it's it's kind of a feel bad moment because the person who did the most work and showed the most skill did not get rewarded equatably to what they provided so something i would like to see for lorcana is not providing sealed booster packs with you know blind support with alternate rares or whatever i would rather see um, alternate art cards that everyone has access to, or maybe a play mat. Like if you win a store event, you get a play mat that says, Hey, I'm, you know, first place in my store, because that way you can show that you've earned that, that win versus you got 10 packs and you didn't get anything. And it, it feels kind of bad. That That's my take, but what are some of the promotional items and things you do want to see from Lorcana or things you don't want to see? Just for clarification, before we move on, what's 
this OTS pack the same as a booster pack? Is it, was that different? Like a so an OTS pack? pack comes with uh, what is it, Jason? Three cards? I believe so. I haven't played an event to to get one in a while. I believe it's three, but yeah. if you if you if you play Yu Gi Oh, you can correct us in the comments. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a it's a sealed booster pack. Okay. You cannot buy it. You can only earn it by playing in the event. So okay. they're they're not for resale. So traditionally, when you play an event, it's like five seven bucks. Uh, traditionally, everybody gets one, so everybody gets a pity pack, and then you get multiple packs if you go higher in the bracket. So I think they pay out, if it's a small event, they pay out to top four. If it's a medium event, they'll pay out to top eight. And if it's a big event, they'll pay out to like top 16. And when I say like small event, we're talking like, you know, 30-ish players, a medium event's like 50 to 60, and the big event's like 100 or more. So, you know, you could you could walk away with a lot of OTS packs. But again, right. I've seen people crack, you know, 10, 15 OTS packs and they don't get anything. And then like the fourth place player pulls two of the forty dollar cards, and it's like, oh, right. Well, that's that's good for you. That's that's lucky. But it feels bad for the winner who's just like, I've been here for like five hours playing, and I didn't really get anything out of it. Blech. Yeah, the yeah, pack 100%. the pack model is just so gross. Like, yeah. if they're gonna do packs, like they might as well just give actual packs as prize support. Like. That's what they do with the um, so Wizards does this where like for the pre-release, if you order like so many pre-release kits, you get two packs for every pre-release kit that you buy. Or you used to do this. I don't know if they still do it, but they would give you two packs for every pre-release kit you buy. And I think if Lorcana did similar things where it's like they're going to give you actual packs of cards instead of these like mini packs that, you know, then that helps the prize support be a little bit beefier. but. I think if we get to pick, it would be way better to know what you're getting. Yeah. Like you're getting this cool card. And then if you don't want that card, you don't have to, you know, if, let's say it's a, it's a character. Let's say it's Aladdin, my favorite character. You know, I'm going to be at all those FNMs, right? But like maybe someone who doesn't like Aladdin could make a decision and say, you know what? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go for that one. Go back to your question. So I, I think. I will say overall, organized play is, is one of the hardest things that a, a, a creator of a TCG has to deal with, right? It's really the lifeblood of the game. It, it can be, um, you know, if it's done wrong, it could be fatal to the game. If it's done right, it can be, you know, what drives the game to continue on for years, right? So it's it's very important. It's very hard, um, you know, playing games for years. I think really finding that, and we focus a lot on the weekly events, right? Um as Jonathan said, there's there's various levels of, of organized play, uh, but really those weekly events really, in my opinion, are where a, a game creator, a distributor should focus on making sure that everybody has the options to, to get out and play the game and feel, you know, feel involved in the community. Right. Um, that's what I that's what I'm personally seeking for in these games. That's why I leave the house instead of just sitting home and playing video games, because. Listen, you know, if I'm going to sit sit at home and, and play a game, I, I'm going to play a video game. I'm not going to play a card game on my computer. So, um, again, I think finding a, 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 a prize that goes towards someone that's doing well, you know, actually coming to an event and, you know, winning all the matches at night. Right. That's I think that, that should be rewarded. Right. I don't think that should be put on a on a too high of a pedestal because the, let's be real. A lot of people aren't going to, you know, maybe don't have the skill on the time 
don't have the resources maybe to make a, a, a TCG a TCG deck that can do that consistently, right? So I think that's important to reward that person that comes out and it goes 3-0 for the night. But I also think, like, you know, again, Flesh and Blood is my favorite game. I think it's really cool that they have the, the option that you can come um, the whole month for all four weeks, you know, encourage people, play your decks, show up to support the store and get a chance to win that play mat, right? So having both things, you know, having an option for people that are coming up and doing well at the event, again, that in my opinion, that prize for going 3-0 can't be super valuable. It has to be valuable enough to get people out, but it can't be valuable enough that it's going to, you know, it's going to make people uh, feel bad if they don't get it. So it's a real fine line to walk in, in the, in the in distributors, creators can't always control that. Sometimes the secondary market controls that. So, um, you know, a lot of times in the early life of a game, it leaves secondary market controls um, a lot of these promo things, which we've talked about on other podcasts. So again, that's what I'm hoping for. They, that it's, it's going to be, it's, it's not going to be perfect right away. They're going to have to take some um, time, think about it and make some adjustments. Um, but hopefully they can find a balance that rewards both the people coming to playing competitively and people come in to support their local stores. So you don't like a top heavy price support thing. You don't like like if a if the winner gets something like a, you know, some kind of expensive foil or anything like that. I really don't like that. Yeah, I mean and I get and I know that's a some people love that, right? Some people are really um encouraged by that that knowing they go to their store, they'll get all the packs or they'll get, you know, a a, a playmat that says I'm the winner, right? Um for me, I I like it to be more spread out, go more wide, yeah. um, reach more people. That's that's my personal take. And, I, and there's I don't think there's a, a wrong take there. That's just what I like cuz I I in my opinion, um that's better overall from the community. That's just my own opinion. I'm just curious because as a store as someone who's running a store right and i'm thinking about planning my events and stuff like that i just when i hear something like that it makes me interested because like the natural way to think about it is a bigger prize will draw more people right mm-hmm. because it's like oh everyone wants a chance at winning something big you know right and and, and everybody's different i mean that, that you're not gonna i'm a unique you know i'm in my i'm in my i'm about to be 40 years old i've been playing these games for a long time um i have different priorities like this somebody that's I mean, there's another guy, that local guy that plays Special Blood. He he is a completely opposite of me. He wants to go and get all the packs. You know, he wants to go and if he if he puts that work in, he wants to he wants to get that 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 big reward, right? Um, so I don't think there's any right or wrong way. Um, I, I know my way, and and I and it's worked for me, and it's worked for the communities I try to build. Um, but yeah, that's that's my take on it. That, that's really what I. I, and a lot of that is, you know, you can have both of those exist. I think both of those things exist in Flesh and Blood. There are some stores that, that are real he- top heavy. You know, obviously you have the armor prizes, which are just what they are, but stores can add on to that, right? They can add on to that and you can make it be that, you know, instead of, you know, the, the first person gets the cold foil and they get 10 packs, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you, if you you set up the prize and set up the buy-in to be a certain way. So it really, um, even even within, even with the armory system, um, stores still have a lot of leverage over what that really looks like in the end. I voted what kind of things Lorcana could give you know besides be, if, so if we say okay promo cards are cool that's one thing they can give playmats yep. are cool what else could they give pins you think Lorcana could do pins binders yeah. deck boxes sleeves deck boxes. they oh. got that Disney money mate Flesh, Flesh and Blood has been big on sleeves lately Flesh yeah, and Blood yeah, got a deal yeah. with, with um, what is it Dragon Shield and they've been making their own unique sleeves which you know some people it's hard because some of the early early prize support for Flesh and Blood, and now we're talking um, past armories. We're talking, you know, um, regional, like national level events, um, store championship events. Um, you would get like a special cold foil card that was real unique, and then they went to sleeves. So some players, you know, um, 
sleeves, obviously, I, I think it's I think it's an interesting concept to to give those as prizes. Um, unique sleeves, unique, unique backing, um, but obviously that's that's something that's going to not carry the same. Maybe it's not obvious. It's not going to carry the same value as a as a card will, right? Because no, the sleeves are you, if you, you actually use know. them, you're going to damage. You never them. know. You never but, know. I mean. It, it, I, you never know. I'm just saying. I think it's. I think it's more likely that the sleeves are not going to be as valuable as a cold full cart. Cough think, anime I, sleeves. Cough cough. I, I mean, think it's it, like, it depends oh on gosh. the quality of the sleeve too, though. Sure. Because when the rarity and in, in the rarity, yeah. I think it's like on Hearthstone. Remember when you get legend, you <laughs> yeah, get you yeah. get legend sleeves, right? And then right. of course you put them on, right? Because you're like, I want to show people I'm the legend, right? And so like, I think the same thing. If they did that in Lorcana, you know. Where it's like, you know, best player ever sleeves or whatever, you know, that could be a status symbol, you know, in in the in the little in the F and M community. But I, I call it the F and M, I know. It's yeah, kind of sure. the L and M or whatever. Whatever they call it, you know. Lore knights, right? I mean, so that's digital versus physical. Like I I I personally don't mind the sleeves. I think it's cool. We have some ones that are just um for top eight at ProQuest, right? But those are pretty rare. Like, you know, eight people have them, right? But inherently, when you put those on physical cards, right? They're going, they're the box is open, they're going to get damaged. So that's that's different than, in my opinion, like you can make the same argument about a card that goes to your deck, I guess the card then your deck might get might get bent and might get some, you know, dirt on it or whatever. Um I just but, want that water bottle. That flesh oh, and blood water, water bottle. bottle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, they have water bottles? Yeah, just so y'all know, Flesh and Blood at the first Pro Tour, <laughs> they sweet. had these water bottles. And I saw them and I was like, oh, man, I want one of those. Of course, like on the secondary market, they were like $400 or something. Oh, really? Are they them? Oh, I got it. That's I got how much they were. I don't oh, know what they are now. That's incredible. They were black and they have they, uh, they had print on them. Um, something about, because uh, in the game, you know, there's a resource symbol. So I had that on that use that resource symbol to take a sip and get rehydrated or something like that. So it was real cute. Um, and the, yeah. the players got black ones and then the judges had um, white, white ones. ones. Yeah. 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 It's a nice surprise. Man, so, I would love some kind of system where you could have, now this is way too deep in the sticks, but like uh, you might remember from magic the gathering, they had a DCI card. Oh yeah. You Those would, are cool. Yeah. You would sign up. Yeah. I remember that. I mean, it's like a pop ID for Pokemon back in the day. Yeah, so you sign up, you say, here's my name, you get a DCI number, and every yeah. time you played, the store would scan your card, and then you could get DCI points, and you had access to a store, if I remember correctly, where you could buy you know exclusive items, and you could get like a t-shirt, or a hoodie, or a hat, or stuff like Wait, that. Wait, what? You could I, don't get, remember, I don't remember you that. Could, that must you have been could a long buy time stuff? Ago. I, That's what I remember. There was a, like a point system, kind of like a... Yeah, yeah I, I thought, yeah, you, I thought there was a point in. system. Yeah. Wow. Nobody, I didn't know about that. I probably had a bunch of points. <laughs> I I mm, might no be misremembering this. I, am I am I crazy, Skiff? I thought that was... You could do that. No, because I, I thought that was the same thing back in the day where you do that. Like, there's like... You you would be rewarded, and then you could like turn those in. Like there was a pop ID where you, like you scan enough tournaments. Like oh, I've done well. Are you thinking like, about Camel? Oh, that's that's, from... that's Pokemon, isn't that Pokemon though? Because you said pop ID. Yeah, I said pop ID. Yeah, that's not that's not DCI. So I I am thinking no. about pop. Okay, so that's which is okay. Pokemon organized Pokemon. play. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So never mind. It was it wasn't DC. DCI was for being tracked. Uh, yeah, but you were able to keep track of your wins and losses with a DC though. Yeah, yeah, with DC, yeah, like where you yeah. Played, yeah, that's how you got invites into the pro tour. But yeah, you're right with with Pokemon organized play, which was called pop, you would get points and then you could go to a store and you could trade those points in for special wow. stuff. That's pretty yes. cool. 
Um, yes. And then if you were a judge, you had a, a special judge store because I was That's a correct. I was a Pokemon professor. And so yeah. you could get like pins and all kinds of cool Pokemon. Special play perf- mats, back play mat. Yeah, yeah. And it all said, you know, Pokemon organized play all over it. It was all branded and themed. But uh, that was my favorite thing was you could play, get points, and then spend those points on non-trading card game related stuff or some trading card game like they had you know play mats or a backpack or sleeves or they had pokemon organized play dice you know you'd roll it for who goes first or whatever so i liked that system a lot so i would love to see that with lorcana where you know you score points and then you can buy you know your favorite character t-shirt or uh you know some swag with your favorite i don't know color what are they what are they calling it stones uh, like, yeah. like an amethyst play mat or whatever i wonder like um you know i think that i think the listeners are definitely picking up on one thing about organized play it's about the loot it's mm. about the yeah. loot you sure. know right like, i said that i said like the quality of your op kits will improve the health of the game now, right. do you think OP? Now, someone said OP is necessary for a game to survive. I think yes. So. Do you think so? Is, is everyone oh, unanimous on that? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on this week's episode. This is part one of two, where we are going to be talking about organized play, and this is a great stopping point to just ponder John's question: Is organized play necessary for the health and success of a trading card game, especially with Lorcana? And that's what we're going to be talking about in part two next week when we drop the second half of this episode. So thank you very much for joining us. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at LorcanaCast. Also, if you're listening to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast aggregate, do us a quick favor, like and subscribe so that way you are in the know when the next episode drops. And you can find more information about LorcanaCast, whatever podcast aggregate you're listening to. So thank you to everyone for joining us on this week's adventure. And we will see you next time. So remember, Ohana means family which means nobody gets left behind, nobody gets forgotten.